Good morning, I'm Pastor David Dyer. It's my honor and my distinct pleasure uh, to be here to worship in voice with you this morning, but also as we proclaim God's word in the season of Advent, right? We we wait expectantly, uh, not just for the baby Jesus to be born, but for Jesus, the Son of God who has come, who has lived, who died the sin, uh, died the death that you and I deserve because of our sin, and has gone to be with his Father in heaven, and who is now waiting to return. And that's what the season of Advent is about. And until Jesus returned, we have been called to wait in expectation. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, we get parable after parable after a description Jesus makes and saying, this is what the end times will look like. Well, guess what, folks? We're in those end times. And in in chapter 25, Jesus says, now this is what you are to do. You are to wait in expectation. You are to wait and use the talents, the gifts, and the abilities that I have given you while you wait because there will be an accounting. I will hold you accountable for what you have done until my return. And that's where we find ourselves in this Advent season. So during the season of Advent, we want to see things from a different perspective. We don't want to see things the way that the world sees them. We want to see them in the way that God himself says, look, I want you to see something from my perspective. So the word that we hear this morning is from Paul. The apostle, the man who had a past, the man who, if you looked at his resume, you would never give him the time of day in your church. You definitely wouldn't call him as a pastor. You wouldn't call him to even be near the church. Why? (laughs) Because he was a persecutor of the church. Oh, he had all the right Jewish background, He had the name, the family name. He had the upbringing, the teaching, and the education. He had the experience. He had a past that every Jewish parent would be so proud of. And after Jesus comes on the scene, Saul continues to be a great Jew. Somebody to fight for the church and the way things had always been. And so he persecuted Christians. He killed them. Eventually, Jesus had his way with him. Eventually, Jesus, what Jesus said was that he needed, beyond a shadow of a doubt, to be able to say that you matter to me. That your past does not define you. And what Jesus immediately did was he says to Saul, you're mine, I love you, and you belong to me, and I will change this past. Can you believe, right? I mean, Saul, who had murdered people, who now all of a sudden says, hey, I am not going to count your past against you. In fact, Saul, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to make you a new creation. And Saul, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use you in my kingdom. And because of that, because of that, as a new creation, God shows us in his word what it means, right, to be a new creation. Now, I know there are some things going on right now. We have our medical team. Okay, so no worries. They're going to take care. Okay, so 
We have our nurse. We've got our EMTs. They're up here, so don't worry. The hard part, right, is going to be able to try to focus. So I'll do my best. Um, we're going to look up here at the screens. Do you guys need anything from me? Okay. All right. All right. So our reading this morning, as I prepped you for the beginning of the sermon, is from Paul. Right? And in his letter to 2 Corinthians, to the church there in 2 Corinthians, what we are reminded is that God has in store for us being a new creation. Okay, So, we're going to read these words out loud together. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Next. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so here, what we have is a clear understanding, right? That Paul says, you're going to be this new creation. And today is the day. The, the day of newness, the day of this, this new creation is upon us. Now, as I was thinking about being a new creation, there have been certain moments in my life, I know, where I have wondered, right? Where I have said, okay, what is going on? What's happening? There's a little pause. I'd like you to look at this picture up here behind me. Many of you maybe have traveled a little bit. This is the famous uh, Michelangelo picture in the Sistine Chapel. It's in the ceiling. And up in the ceiling, as you walk into the chapel, you have to be standing pretty much right under this painting to to get its full um, appreciation, okay? Here we have, in the lower left corner, we have a depiction of Adam. And to the right, God the Father. And if you'll notice in that background where God the Father is, there are other beings with him. Well, this is, uh, the idea is that God is about to bestow the final blessings in all of creation. So Adam has been created. He is back. He's on, he's on earth. He's waiting for the hand, for the blessing, for that touch of God. And if you'll notice right there, there's a gap. There's a gap right between their two fingers. And it's at that moment, right, where, where there's this pause Where Adam has been created, he is a new creation, and yet he's not fully received everything that God has in store for him. There's not yet a wife or children. There is not the blessing of community, right? And so it's at that moment where we pause, where we just pause just a little bit. And there, in that pause, we pause. Just think for a moment. 
Just think, as you've been made a new creation, most of you, through baptism, the holy waters have have drowned you, and yet you've been raised to newness of life. In that time, right, how has God said, I've got blessing upon blessing for you? In what way, shape, or form has God been able to say, hey, I'm not yet done with making you into the new creation that I have for you? Right? There's the pause. There's a gap. There's at that moment and, and this, this time where God is saying, I've got blessing upon blessing upon blessing. But what does it mean to be a new creation? Well, to be a new creation means that something in your past is not part of the new creation. Sometimes the things in your past are, are revelatory, right? They reveal where you've been who you've been with, and what you've been doing. How many of you got that third degree when you came home, right? When you, anybody? No one else got asked this? Where have you been? Who have you been with, and what did you do? Right? As if those three questions are the most important things that, that picture, right, your past or define your past. And we all know that that's not the case, right? Or at least we hope it's not the case. I mean, literally, how many this morning, right, would be able to, to say, I, I, I'm hoping that it's my past that doesn't count. I know for sure I am thankful that Facebook and social media was not around. Can I get an amen from anybody my age? Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you imagine? And that's why I'm not on Facebook now. The reason I'm not, because I don't want old friends going, hey, I got some of the pictures I know you didn't know we had, and I've digitized. No, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want my family to know where I was, who I was with, and what we were doing. Because quite frankly, that doesn't, one, define me. It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't define me. It's made me who I am. Sure, the things in my past I don't get rid of. They're not just gone in memory. They, they made me who I am. However, they don't define me. That's a glimpse at what it means to be a new creation. I want you to understand that. To be a new creation means that your past is gone. That your mistakes, that everything that happens is forgiven. I'm going to let that sink in. I'm going to let that be kind of that pause. To be that little bit of gap in time where we go, okay, God, so if I'm a new creation, if everything in my past no longer defines me, then what does it mean for me to be new? I think we have to understand God's grace. So for those of you following along, go back here to the verses. I want you to start in verse 14. I want you to understand, for it's Christ's love that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That's what it means, right? That it's God's love in Jesus Christ that compels us, one, to faith. Do you realize that God has never lawed anyone into faith? That he has never made people feel so bad and so wrong that he said, now come to me. No, it's not done that way. It's 
It's God's love. Right? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Many of you know what it feels like, right? At Christmas time, if somebody gives something out of compulsion or law, not love, you know what that feels like, right? You know when you get the gift. It's like, there's strings attached to this one. I know, this is how my aunt always is. If the thank you isn't, you know, the ink still wet and in the envelope and in the mail tomorrow, I'm in trouble, right? And so we know that, we know what, what gifts look like out of law. And God says, no, I, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And so that's how we understand verse 14, that Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We're dead in our sin. Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. You understand, right, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you no longer live. That in Jesus Christ, you no longer live. And so what does that mean? What does that mean that you no longer live to yourself? It means your, your past mistakes no longer count, but it also means your today ambitions have to be put to the side. Your today ambitions have to be set to the side because to live means to have Jesus in you. And having Jesus in you means that he dictates, right, what is done, what is said, and how you act. And so, in verse 16, now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Well, so if we're a new creation in Jesus Christ, if that means Jesus lives in us, right, and Paul says, so what it means is, is you don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. All right? So go ahead and turn to one of your family members right now that you know something about that they would not want in public said. Okay? Um, parents, you could probably look at your children very easily and get that. Okay? Okay? And you'd probably, no words even have to be expressed. I mean, you just know by looking at your, your family member, right, that you're going, okay, I'm not bringing up the thing, right? Okay? Right? So... Can you imagine? Here's the deal. When you look at that person, right, and they've wronged you or they lied to you or they did something, right? You, you look at that person. Can you imagine looking at them and never bringing it up again? Look at them. Don't say anything, but look at them. What if I said, hey, from this point on, we're not going to bring anything up on this topic again? Now, most of us probably feel like, well, I don't trust you to not bring it up because, you know, I mean, you bring it up all the time because <laughs> that's our normal. But what if we didn't treat people as the world treats? What if we treated like God treats? And in that, God says, I forgive and I move on. What if we treated the world that way? What if, what if people that were in the public spotlight, right, their sins, their junk comes out, and all of a sudden, right, we, have, we form an opinion, and we, we go way out of bounds on what we believe their life is like, and we, we opine on this or that, or we stand on our soapbox, and, well, they must have had horrible parents. Well, they live in Hollywood. Well, you know, I mean, we explain all kinds. What if we no longer viewed people the way the world views people? What if, what if we viewed them the way God views us through his son who's hanging on the cross? What if that's how we viewed the world? What if we view the world as 
compassionate and peaceful and kind and caring? What if, what if we viewed the world as God views us through the lens of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross? What if we viewed the world with forgiveness and second chances? What if? You see, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What's the new thing? What is the new thing that you wish for yourself? What is the old pattern that you know is not healthy? What is the old way of thinking? What is the old sin that so easily entangles? What is that thing that you go, I I just wish God would make this new. So what I want you to do, I want you to picture that that thing is is underneath the base of the cross there and that, that God is looking through Jesus at that thing that needs to be changed. And do you realize that he died for that? So that you could be free so that you, you could experience freedom, so that you could experience life, so that you could experience a second chance or joy or any of those kinds of things. You, you understand that that's what Jesus is looking at. He's looking at you and loving you. All of this is from God. Isn't that incredible? The God that sends Jesus because he loves us, he says all of this is from God. In verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And so what this means is that as a new creation, we're not just left where we're at. We have a testimony to give. And I'm not saying forget about your past. Some of the most powerful conversations you can have with people is when you explain to them that you're not perfect. It's not a bragging. It's not a showing off. It's not a, oh, yeah, your childhood was so tough. Listen, it's not that. It's that you share your heart, okay? It's that you share. And and what people want to hear is Jesus. Do you understand? It's not so much your voice that they want to hear, but Jesus' voice in you. They want to hear how Jesus has reconciled that thing in your life. They want to hear how how Jesus has forgiven and it's changed you. They want to hear what it means that you've offered forgiveness to a parent that's abused you or or people that have abandoned you. People want to hear Jesus. And and it even sounds trite a little bit, but that's not the point. It's that people want the genuineness of knowing, wait a minute, you mean your heart was changed? Maybe Maybe my heart can change. And that's no easy task. That's no small thing. There's a lot of hurt in this world. There are a lot of people that are angry and mad. There are a lot of people that have been backstabbed, that have been lied to over and over and over. And in that, I get it when we don't want to forgive. 
when we want to be a new creation, but we sure don't want them. We want them to get theirs. And that's, that's not what it means to be a new creation. A new creation is someone that would forgive, and so therefore we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The section is about being, again, I've, I've made this motion, I've shown you this picture, but each and every time it is on your knees, underneath that cross, in humble submission, to be reconciled with God. To say, God, I want what you want. I want the new creation. I want the old gone. I want the new. I want to be raised I want to be standing up under your grace and I, I want to know the things that you have for me. I want what's best. And that's the challenge. So I tell you, as Paul ends it, I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Today is where grace lives. Today, your sins are forgiven. Today, your past no longer counts. Today, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that is what the world has been clamoring for and dying literally to hear. You're saved. My challenge now is that we go live in that grace so that others around us can experience that grace in Jesus Christ. Amen.